Welcome to episode 5 As we pick up on this series We're on the next set We are on to systems Modeling habits and strategies Part 5 Systems Now why discover the road ahead painfully when others before you have been down that path you're already going down and clues have already been left on what to expect. Systems imply just that thing. Now there are tons of ways at which we can actually find our way to where we want to be. We don't have to follow the same the same path that had been laid out by somebody else you have the complete freedom and option to do whatever you want however you want to do it you're not limited by doing something the same way that someone else has done it before however on that same caveat by following the path that someone has laid out you can actually get an idea or at least a hedge on where you want to be. So you're not painfully walking blind in the direction you want to go. You can actually model the direction that someone else before you has already visited. And you can do it in such a way that, that will help you actually get further. Simply because you're actually taking the time to go down the path that someone else has already gone and they will help you to recognize pitfalls. They will help you to recognize um, any obstacles, any advantages. Success always leaves clues. So you'll always have something that you can actually go by to, to use and to really to follow that path and to basically model people that have already done it before. And it's just much easier. There's just a lot that people have done and they've taken time. And rather than doing something from scratch every single time, you can save years or months or days in initial trial and error simply because somebody before you has actually already gone that path. So it could be using a tutorial that someone else has already set up and that would help you bring you closer or someone that has already written out the the composition, the music composition from another artist. So you don't have to sit and figure it out. If you could read sheet music, that's great. You can find someone else who has read sheet music or you can find violin riffs that you can practice to actually strengthen that skill. And you can use that system to literally propel and kind of bridge the gap between what you know and what you don't know. So having that, taking that into account and being, being honest enough to be willing to follow a system, a system that's already in place. The great thing about having a system in place that you might want to use is, number one, it's like a recipe. And by having that recipe that someone else has already done in that play in that same situation it gives you an edge it gives you a distinct edge simply because you can confidently 
take action because you know the actions that you're taking are in the right place. They're coming from the right place and the actions that you're moving toward are, you know for a fact that it's going to bring you either the result that it's promised or at least it'll bring you closer, one step closer to the bigger piece of what it is that you are trying to accomplish in the long run. That's the huge advantage of actually using a system that's already been put in place, a system that's already workable, a system that's already proven, and you can just save time. It just really will save you a lot of time and a lot of frustration. And like I said, when you have that system in place, it can also bring a certain level of confidence because you know that the actions that you're taking are tried, they're true. You know that it's going to work as long as you're persistent and diligent with that strategy. You can it will also help to look at the people that are looking up the strategy or that have provided the strategy and look at what kind of results they've actually produced with the systems they're they've proposed. And if the system that they're proposing and the results that they're getting they're line up, especially if they're saying that it's theirs. Now, if they're if they're just rehashing something else, a, a different system that someone else has used, obviously you want to go straight to the source of that, so you can make sure that what you're modeling is going to be sound. So, when when you're taking that time to actually to to do that and do the research, and you're looking out and you're actually following, you know the you know the the path of whether it's a high resistance path, I'm not saying to follow the path of least resistance, but if you are going to follow a harsh path, make sure you know where you're going. So it's kind of like, if you would imagine this, if you would imagine the scenario of, let's say you're taking a trip and you're going to, you're starting in Atlanta and you're going to DC. And so you've already packed your bags, you've locked it into your GPS and the GPS gives you the route you're going to go ahead and take to get to um, Atlanta to DC. Now, you know that the outcome, you know that the place that you're going is going to be DC. And as you're driving, sometimes you might run into an accident. You might get a flat tire and you might, um, you're going to stop for gas, you're going to stop for food. But no matter what happens, you are going to continue your route simply because the path that's already been laid there. And what's great is that as you begin to go through the experience and begin to navigate, you begin to maybe notice different things like maybe there might be a different route that might be faster because there might be traffic or a slowdown. And what will happen is that the GPS will reroute you to give you a quicker way to get around any obstacles because it already knows the road ahead. And so this is the this is what's phenomenal about using a proven system that somebody else has. And then you can search the internet for all kinds of systems. Even as I began to to lay out and formulate and come up with ideas and processes, this starting point of creating this series initially started with modeling a system from people who have already created podcasts before. So it was already laid out. It was already recommended what to do. It already recommended the process. Before I even got it started, I already had an idea of what to expect and what could happen and how I could take advantage of the initial opportunity of opening up these doors and different avenues and channels that I can go ahead and publish this content and the advantages of doing that and the benefits that I could actually leverage simply because I was following a system of people who have come before and now that they've already 
went down this path, there are certain things they were able to see in hindsight that they would have done differently. They laid it out. And now for me, it's kind of like it's a guideline. I no longer have to look backwards and say, man, I wish I'd done X, Y, and Z differently. Granted, you'll you'll always have those moments at some at sporadic points in time. But the matter being is that when taking that time to actually look into it and actually use that and follow that and uh, and following that proven system or, or habit or strategy, then you can, there's much more advantage that you'll actually have by going down that track all together. This is definitely the benefit of having a proven system to model from so that you can actually save yourself a tremendous amount of time in using a proven system handy because it could potentially save you time rather than trying to figure out everything by yourself, which is what a lot of people do is they simply try to figure it out all on their own and it just becomes more of an issue by doing it that way. So so by taking that time to find something that's simple and you can use Google, you can use whatever you want to kind of filter through, find out what it is that's going to work, find out what it is that you're after and you don't need a thousand different systems. You only need one that works. And there's a pretty good rule that Eben Pagan actually came up with he said, if you want to try something, do it for, give it 90 days, give it like a 90 day rule where you go all out, you go all in on a specific strategy for 90 days and you measure your results. So by measuring those results, you can see whether it's working or not. And if at the end of 90 days, and if it doesn't really seem to work, scrap it and you can pick up something new. So you're not, you're not locked into something for a long period of time and 90 days seems seems pretty fair. I mean, 30 days, uh, that's not really enough to have really noticeable results. Um, 60 days is probably will build enough, a good amount of momentum. And by 90 days, you would have actually had a pretty good stride and have an idea on um, sustainable, measurable progress and can actually, you know, roll that out, at least project that out um, into uh, Q2, Q3 and Q4 to see where to see where those would actually how it could potentially compound or or benefit so that's just something to definitely keep in mind when you are trying a new system or model another advantage is that it will give you a confident edge in knowing that you're direct going the direction you're in is going to be uh lead you at least to the right outcome and discovering things is a very painful while Riding on the coattail of success can accelerate and broaden your journey toward it. That when riding, when riding on the coattails of success and will confidently going in the direction that you know will bring you the outcome that you want, you can, there is a certain level of, I think, pride and confidence that will come into it that will really help you feel proud that, you know, hey, what I'm doing is the right thing. And it's just a matter of time before what I want will actually manifest simply because I'm using a proven system. I'm using a proven method and I'm not locking. And that's something that can definitely help you build that confidence and that sense of certainty and security, knowing that that the direction that you're going in and the methods that you're using, it's kind of like having a coach in your pocket because you know, they'll, they talk to you, they might tell stories and really bring things into light that will help you understand and actually bring something that's going to be really, really solid in your pursuit of the outcome. An example of someone who modeled systems 
and actually did a great job, who actually went all out, is Sam Walton of Walmart. Now, when Sam first started Walmart, he only had he only had a few stores when he built initially Walmart. And he needed to keep up with his competitors. And there were a lot of different types of companies at the time that were actually, you know, that had, you know, stores that were competing. And then uh, Sears, I know, was a competitor. But he wanted to have, uh, he wanted to have the best prices and he wanted to have the best systems and he wanted to use the best retail type of quote unquote technology at the time or which it really boiled down to having the best type of customer service, which is what Sam Walton wanted. So what he would do is he would spend time going to other competitors' stores and he would go and he would watch. He would go and just basically just look around at what they were doing and he would go and investigate the shelves and he would just look around and people thought, you know, like, what's this guy doing snooping around, like looking at every single thing? What is he, like an inspector or something? He went to that great extent of traveling around the United States. And I think he went out of town, out of the country, suits like Cuba. And he just go around like a madman, just looking at other people's stores and just copying what they did. If he liked what they did, he would copy it and he would adapt it. And if it worked, he would keep doing it. If it didn't work, then he would completely, he would change the way that that part was working or that, that system that he was doing was working. So and obviously now, you know, Walmart is one of the biggest, if not the biggest retail location, at least in the United States. So copying something that works is something that's all that we've always done as humans. It's always been something that we have been just poised to do into copying something and making it our own and seeing, adjusting it, testing it, seeing it, seeing it how it compares and stands up to something that we've done before and constantly finding ways to kind of to really refine the way that we've done things in order to move ourselves forward. So you can be glad knowing that, you know, um, that a lot of people will constantly model or watch something else in order to either perfect or grow or change or evolve or shift or, you know, test things out. And it's a constant process of testing different ideas out and, and, you know, adjusting. And there might be the system that you might be using might be 99% there, but there might be one little tweak you may need to make toward it to kind of customize it and make it essentially your own. That's something that's always, that can always come into play. Another person who also modeled different systems, believe it or not, and some of you may have noticed this, if you are huge in MMA, is Bruce Lee. Now, Bruce originally started doing Wing Chun Kung Fu. And if you didn't, if you guys don't know, that's like Chinese boxing. And when he started, he would practice, he practiced and he learned it from a, from a guy named his instructor at the time, Yip Man. Now, Bruce Lee was always a, a fighter ever since he was a kid. He would always get into trouble at school for fighting. Um, and that was just, he was just always, always, always getting into trouble for that. But he was also a very good dancer as well. Um, so Bruce, Bruce's parents decided we're going to go ahead and discipline this. He, this kid needs discipline. Let's go ahead and we'll take him to this Kung Fu instructor who was actually a friend, a friend of Bruce's dad. 
And, um, uh, and, and so Bruce started training and Bruce had a natural talent just for fighting and that anger and that ferocity. And he even brought that when he was in his training regimen. But as, as Bruce began to grow and he began to, he left, you know, left China and then ended up coming to the U S he began to start training and he began to, you know, people were interested, you know, Bruce was in college at the time and, you know, people wanted to learn. And so he started, he started teaching other people how to do Kung Fu. And so, or Chinese Gung Fu as they would call it. And so what happens is word began to spread around San Francisco where he lived and people that were from China as well began to find out other instructors, other martial arts instructors in the area began to find out and they did not like it at all. They did not like the idea that Bruce Lee was taking their Chinese traditions, their, their martial arts secrets, secrets and something that was native to their culture and was sharing it with the Americans. So they basically challenged Bruce Lee to a duel. They said, okay, so here's the terms of the duel. If you can beat us, then you can keep teaching. But if you can't beat us in this duel, then then basically you have to stop. You now you're no longer allowed to train Americans. So Bruce was like, "All right, cool." So Bruce ends up, you know, um, ends up fighting against one of like the top trainers there in San Francisco um, for for uh, Chinese kung fu, and Bruce Lee ends up winning. So of course he had the right to teach, but what Bruce had kind of recalled after the fight is that he was actually exhausted and he said that he felt exhausted. He was tired and he began to kind of like think of like, hmm, why am I so tired after this fight? I need to look into getting more stamina because this isn't going to be good in the long run. If I'm going to be fighting and then I'm going to be tired, that's not going to, you know, it, that's a, it, that's a bad long-term strategy. So he starts looking into weightlifting. He starts looking into jogging. He starts talking with other martial arts and, um, and fighters in the area and his, his brother, Bruce Lee's brother ended up teaching him a little Western boxing as well. And, um, Bruce began to meet people like Dan Inasano and, um, and learning, uh, Kali. And so Bruce began to kind of take these old traditions that he had from, from Chinese Gung Fu and began to change them because he realized that they weren't as efficient as they could be. And so he began to simplify them and make them more direct, more precise and a lot more practical. So as he began to 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 combine these efforts together, he comes up with this style which he ended up calling Jeet Kune Do, which in English means way of the intercepting fist. This is just my personal thought. I think that it wasn't just, I think it was just more or less the way of interception, not just the way of the intercepting fist, but you could intercept with your hand, with your body, you can intercept with your foot, you can intercept with your knee, you can intercept with, intercept with your shin. So it was just simply the act, the way of actually intercepting an attacker, whether you intercept him attacking you or you do a compound, you're doing a compounding attack and intercepting them. I don't want to get too nerdy on you about that, <laughs> but um, but it's just taking something that that's intended for for one purpose and combining it into something new. And it's something that Bruce Lee was just, that he was just a brilliant at. I mean, obviously, I mean, just look at his movies and 
his his video his videos and you'll you can see that on your own in order to the very act of modeling a proven idea or formula could could bridge the gaps in your own knowledge so by taking two completely different thoughts and bringing them together from two completely different fields it can make something compoundingly new and compoundingly different that would be fresh to you in your eyes simply because you've actually taken the time to really kind of mesh this in, to mesh it in, to build it in, to make it a part of yourself and of your being. And when you take something in and you play with it, you explore it and you, you execute on it and you send it back out into the world, you apply it into the world, you're, you've touched it in a way that there's a unique footprint that you're actually delivering on that. So there's a unique footprint that you're actually delivering out that you can actually use and actually share. And that is like your signature. Your signature actually plays into the, the product or the service or the painting or the piece of music that you're delivering. So that what's in you automatically what you learn infuses with your DNA and then you you kind of spin it back out into the world but it's your own unique vision and there's no one in the world from the past present or the future that would ever do something the way that you you would uniquely do it so there is no one who will ever exist again that would do something quite the way that you can do it now and that's a very very powerful ability to know that what you are creating, what you are delivering, what you are giving is uniquely yours. And it cannot be, it can be copied, but it cannot be originated from anyone else simply because they're not you. So it takes between 24 to 30 consecutive actions to build a habit. And it takes six months to turn a habit into second nature. By making something a thought, an action, a system, it becomes easier once it's established into a habit. And it's refined at that point to continue to do. So the more that you do something consistently and it becomes a habit, and then that habit simply becomes a way of life because it's second nature. And that just simply takes time and repetition. And as you may know, repetition is the mother of skill. So if you want to build the skill, all it takes is simple repetition. And what I've learned is that it's usually not complex repetitions that are the most valuable. It's usually the most simplest, the principles in any type of system that's practiced repeatedly that will actually bring you the best results over the long run rather than learning a really quick strategy simply because you want to, you know, oh, I know how to build this one thing. It's like, cool, you know how to build that one thing. But if you know the principles behind every single thing that you're building and you practice those individual principles, you can do it thematically as well. Like have a theme, for example, if you want to explore a certain type of ink or color. Let's say, for example, there is a color that you want to go ahead and play around with and you choose orange. You say, I'm going to go ahead and play with the many hues of orange. I'm going to play the various temperatures of orange. I'm going to explore the various shades of orange. I'm going to experience the assortment of values 
of orange, the tints of oranges. And so as you begin to play around with them, you begin to just, that's a lifelong, that's going nuance. That's practicing a nuance skill that will be valuable. So at any point in time that you begin to play around with different colors and do different color combinations and you kind of isolate each part of that process and you explore the ranges at which you can execute that, that's going deep. That's going deep for simply just painting with all the colors all the time simply because painting by numbers, which is fine too. It's a good start. But at the same and at the same time, by practicing the principles and understanding the principles, you know, of a painting. So rather than just, you know, I'm gonna learn how to paint flowers, it's like cool, you know how to paint flowers and you just paint one type of flower all the time, you'll just get good at painting that one flower. But if you practice painting at different types of flowers, then you can actually apply that same skill if you were to do a larger piece or a larger composition, say, for example, a landscape, and you can apply those same principles of depth of perception when you're painting those flowers so you know exactly to add the right amount of detail and maybe add the right amount of cast shadow and the way that the light actually reflects through the petals simply because of the transparency of it or seeing and using the various amounts of light that a rainy type of composition like if there's an overcast and there's rain you'll know how to play water off of off of the grass off of the fauna there's just a, an example of how by practicing something solid by going deep in the principles rather than going wide it will actually give you the ability to go wide whenever you want it'll make it that much easier simply because you've spent a lot of time going over the basics it's always the basics it's always the most simplest things that we do daily that really really help to kind of refine our skills it's never anything complicated it's always something basic and simple habits are what makes systems work by constantly putting them into practice and so when when seated with reinforcing thoughts we begin to shape our destiny those thoughts become things destiny is reinforced through habits that we determine among ourselves not to say that you know we may have blockages or we may have obstacles internally that are happening or fears that will challenge us but ultimately we also have the power to decide it's not something that is forced by an external circumstance although external circumstances are often a tool that's used to to that are leveraged that can be leveraged to get ourselves to take the action to do the things that we thought that we were afraid to do and so by taking the time to really understand you know, what it is that we want. And while we keep telling ourselves as to why we can't handle it, we can begin to find ourselves to, we can begin to find ways to kind of circumvent and overcome them. It's like, it's, it's looking at it. It's looking at the problem at hand and looking at it head on and looking at it and saying, okay, I see what's here, the problem that's here in front of me. What am I going to do about it? And when you're looking at it, you can, it gives you power over it or if you, even if you name it, if you give it a name or you see it's a dragon or a monster, you're like, I'm going to kill this monster. I'm going to slay this dragon. That alone can, can produce a massive amount of power in you simply because now you're taking control of the situation and you're no longer letting it dominate at you by the, the ideation of the problem rather than looking at it head on. So 
rather than looking at it and or rather than imagining how big it is and you know how bad you've got it and the scenario that's surrounding it if you if you look at it if you take the time to look at a bill or look at debt and just look at it and just see it for what it is and don't judge it and say okay i see this and there's a ways around this there's ways to slay this there's ways to destroy it because other people have done it who else has had this scenario and have gotten over it and how did they do it you began a google search with looking at the people that have done it and that have actually overcome these challenges or you know how to eliminate debt or how to ride a bike or how to write a novel and there's someone who's done it and you can follow that same path and you know and you just use that to your advantage so that's something that i think that's valuable by by building up these habits and working consistently over a sustained period of time and just making it a practice and making it that that ritual making it a ritual that you can actually use rituals are huge when trying to trying to make lasting change and you can set up a scenario to where you can actually enjoy the process of getting the outcome it doesn't always have to be laborious it doesn't always have to be stressful or annoying or you can find ways to have fun with it or just enjoying the process altogether. Put on a piece of music. Like I'm sitting here right now and I've got like, it's, it's, it's a, it's a low lit room and I have a lot of the lights are here, like, like orange now. They're not as, as white as they were before, but, um, like I've got a candle going and I'm just sitting here and I've created a scenario where I can sit and I can be in a low lit room. There's an aroma. Um, there's artwork, and I can be immersed in the experience. And I can sit and I can be and just focus on delivering the best possible content that I can in this give at this point in time. And you know, I've got water here, so you know, all this talking, you know, causes your mouth to get dry. So I've set up the scenario so I can actually enjoy the process. Enjoy the process of delivering content, enjoy the process of studying, enjoy the process of learning. And that becomes kind of like that becomes the ritual. So we all have rituals that we do, whether it's rituals when we wake up, rituals when we go to work, we might check our email, we might get, get, get coffee. We might say hello to someone and just spend five minutes learning more about them. We might go to our desk and then start by, you know, all right, cool. I'm gonna go ahead and open up my emails and you open up your emails and you began to organize those emails. You know, this is important. This is something that needs to be done next. Um, I, that one can wait, but I've got a note on that, on the process that needs to be done next. And just kind of, and then from there, you might begin to go into other avenues of your day, whether it's phone calls or sending emails specifically or responding to the emails that you need to or taking care of the tasks that you need to throughout the day. Then you might come around 1130, 12 o'clock, one o'clock, you go to lunch and then you might get some coffee or take your vitamins or, or make your phone call or maybe even check more emails and come back, finish out your day. So we all have rituals. It might be kissing your wife or your husband before you go, before you leave that day. And that just becomes a ritual that you guys do. So that's something that rituals are great for setting up processes in your mind and letting your mind know, hey, we're going to go ahead and enter to this place or into this state because we have the rituals in place that have had that have actually empowered us 
to get ourselves into that gear. It's a kind of like a trigger that we use to get ourselves into a certain state by having that ritual in place that we can use consistently. The biggest secret is just start. You don't have to wait for permission from anybody else to go ahead and take action on what it is that you want to do. The biggest secret is it's it really is just to start. Usually what keeps us from taking the action or doing the things we want to do is fear. We're either afraid of being judged. We're afraid of people perceiving us that we don't want to be perceived. It's being judged from our family, from our friends and from our peers and coworkers. And not only comes with the challenge of being judged, it's the fear that people won't believe you. They're like, oh, Cindy, like you miss sassy pants. What do you think? What do you think you're going to change the world with your talks? And that's the very thing that kind of will keep us from taking action or taking consistent action over a sustained period. So stop waiting for one to tell you that it's okay. Just start doing it. Start taking action toward what it is that you want to do. Jordan Peterson actually gave a very interesting talk and I've seen some of his YouTube videos. You guys should definitely go ahead and look up Jordan Peterson and he's a psychologist at the University of uh, Berkeley, I believe. He talks about this philosophy called cleaning your room and it's not really a philosophy. It's just an action. It's just he says, clean your room. If you start the day by cleaning your room or or sometime during that week to clean your room, what happens is that you will have the capacity to take on bigger challenges because you can't take on the challenges and the obstacles of the world if you can't or aren't willing to take on the challenges and obstacles that are in your immediate control. And everything in your room is in your immediate control. So he says, take action on the things you can control first. And the most noticeable thing that you can do is to clean your room because it's something that is it's within your reach. It's something you can you can actually do because you can clean it to the way that you want to have it conform to your ideal. And by doing that, you notice it. You it's a visible difference that you've actually made in your immediate surroundings. And it subconsciously gives you a sense of great accomplishment that you do have control over the course of your life by simply taking that small action. So um, I highly recommend that. That's something that I tried and I did feel different. I did feel like I can take on, you know, everything else once I had gotten that immediate action taken care of. And it sounds so trite, but go ahead and look up his videos. He also has other great talks as well. But moving on. Strategies give you a clear roadmap to the goal or idea you are striving toward. So by having that strategy, you will have a clear idea of the outcome that you want. Or by having um, a destination or a path to the destination. And like I said previously, you don't need 50 or even five or even three different strategies. You try one strategy, and if that doesn't work, then you try a different strategy. And if that one doesn't work, then you try a different strategy. You keep going and you don't give up. 
If you need to find a support group, if you want to send me an email, if you want to ask your family and friends, sure, go go right ahead. And that way you will have a support system. You will have people that will ask, that will keep you accountable for what it is that you want to accomplish. And accountability is huge, guys. Like having someone that is you feels directly that cares about you, or even if they don't, you feel like you have someone on your team rooting for you. That's a huge motivation. That's a huge motivational factor when you feel like that you're not going through the journey alone and that you're actually sharing this journey and you're doing it with someone else, whether, you know, no matter how big or how small that task may be. I think in the long run, you'll be better off because of that. And you'll take you'll have the confidence to take even more action simply because, you know, that person will celebrate with you in your successes because they understand where you're coming from. They understand exactly where it is that you're coming from. And by having that, by them having that core, you know, that the core visceral, you know, association to the journey that you're actually on. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. And let's say you get set back or something happens they'll understand and you can, they can, you can partner with them and sync with them and do a brainstorming session and be like, okay, well, we tried this, this part didn't work. Let's go ahead and make some adjustments. We'll try again and then we'll see how it comes out. And that, that alone is massive. It's a, just, it's a massive thing that actually happens when you feel like you have someone who's actually rooting for you and who's actually on your side throughout this entire journey or project um, that you're working on. The things you're taught in schools are the accumulation of information to be remembered. And typically they don't have any correlation to what you'll do in life or how it relates to your desires. However, in school, one of the greatest things you can learn is how to learn different systems and different processes of learning and compounding information and making your case and doing the research and doing the homework and really learning about the little intricacies of learning a certain system or learning certain pieces of information. So you can use that same model. You can use that same system or process to learn virtually anything you want after that point. You can study things on your own aside from what you're just learning in school. And then that will give you the ability to go deeper because you already have a foundation that you're already working with in order to grow. And that's something that that is definitely a tool that comes into play that you can carry with you for the rest of your life. So when people ask me, what's one thing that I would take away from the one great thing I would say about being in college is that it's the system of learning. It's the process of learning. Now, even with that process of learning, you know, there's going to come a learning curve. You're going to have bumps in the road. Then it's got, it's going to be, it's, it's a, it's a game of patience. It's not necessarily that you're going to sit down and you're going to know everything immediately. That's not what's going to happen. However, when you're sitting down, when you're learning, when you're taking that time to kind of process that information, you do grow. You do learn these systems and you have these different instructors or professors that are actually teaching you their method of learning information. Someone might do it by reading the information and doing us an association where they do like a talk after. Some might do an activity where they would have you, you know, there might be 
something that you do with a team of other of your other classmates of your peers and you might share ideas and then you spit them back out or express them back out to the people to your audience which is basically your other peers your other class members um some might have you do a presentation they might have you do research and then go back you know put everything together organize it and then come up with a presentation that you can do that you can actually share with your teammates and then that also groups that'll also help to grow your ability to present information in front of an audience growing your skill in public speaking which is believe it or not one of the one of the the biggest fears in the world is public speaking which is kind of which is interesting i think it ties into public humiliation but yeah so those systems and those processes and those ideas of learning that are that are being integrated that you're picking up from your instructors that you're picking up that's a, those are great tools and those that's something that i found valuable when i was in college was was the act of learning and I still have all of my notes and stuff and syllabuses from the courses that I took because it reminds me of some of the step-by-step processes that we did along the along the journey of learning about type and printing and color separation and 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 basically the, the process the outline of the production process of design and manufacturing so that was probably the, the single biggest lesson but yeah the, the having that clear roadmap and the strategies will give you will give you just something to be striving toward that will definitely benefit you and just keep in mind what you're learning as you're learning it and the different methods that are being presented to you for learning the information because that's something you can actually use you can replicate it and you can take it you can apply it to anything that suits your fancy all right i want to go ahead and touch on something about strategy versus tactics there's a big difference between strategy and tactics, even though they are often they're often misconstrued. They're often mistaken and, and mixed up and and used, um, you know, interchangeably, but they're not. So a strategy is how to achieve a goal. Right. So it's a it's something that's really thought out and really planned out meticulously. Um or the actual actions actions that will be used to achieve that specific outcome or result. And so it's people who are typically really good at strategies are people who excel at dividing at you know coming up with these schemes, these goals and these plans to actually make that happen to get that desired result, that outcome that you're actually after. Now, tactics, they are like on a smaller scale than the than just the execution. It's kind of it's it's making smaller moves. It's making smaller moves within that bigger piece. So the strategy might be to let's go ahead and let's bake a cake and then we'll we'll sell it. You know, um, we'll sell it at the at the school. Right. But a tactic might be let's give out free samples of the cake as well so people can buy a larger slice. So tactics usually work within the strategy. And that's something I kind of wanted to clear up because I know that a lot of people will, will, will find a tactic. And it's, is, is it the same as a strategy? And, you know, is there a difference? And the answer is yes, there actually is a difference between the tactic and the strategy that's actually being used. So I should we go ahead and get that cleared out? But, uh, yeah, the strategies are much more long term. Tactics are much more 
quick reactive actions that are being taken um, and throughout the course of the journey. So when setting goals, when we're doing something, we do have a goal or an outcome that we want to achieve. I'm not going to go too deep into goal setting here in this segment. You do want to make sure that you have something that's called SMART goals. And that's an acronym, S-M-A-R-T goals. And the, the SMART goals, you want to make sure they're specific, that they're measurable, that they're actionable, that they're realistic, and they're time bound. And by having the, your SMART goals meet all of those tasks, what happens is you will have something that you'll be very, very clear. That's the specific part. It's something that you can measure. So you can see a level of progression as you are working toward that goal. And you can see how, how what you do starting at one point and began to take action, how it will gradually lead you to another point. It has to be actionable. It has to be something that you can actually do consistently. It can't be something you're only allowed to do every once in a while. There has to be a level of consistent action that has to be taken or at least clear defi- clearly defined steps that are going to be required to make sure that you're actually going to get have that level of progress or that sense of doing so you're actually you know making it happen. It has to be realistic. Now, when I say realistic, I mean practical. You can shoot for the moon, but you still have to have enough power to get out of the atmosphere. Realistic, as in making practical steps, taking something larger and making it into smaller bite-sized chunks. That's by taking something that's huge, a huge project, and you break it down into a series of smaller steps, it's much more realistic and it's much more practical because you're taking one step at a time rather than trying to eat the entire, take on the, do the entire thing, everything at once when there's actually specific processes involved and it can be overwhelming at times when you're actually looking at something that big. So by taking something, making it smaller and then initiating on it, you'll have much more room to work with and actually use. And finally, the last one, T stands for time bound and having something that's time bound is you have a you have a starting time and you have you know when it should be completed by and you know how much time you should be spending on each part of each piece of that goal so by having something time bound you'll know that you'll make you're not only making measurable progress to see where you started and see how things are changing as you're going along to make sure you're in the right direction but you're actually having it a having it in a time frame done so then you can make sure that you can get everything done within the deadline, within that desire time frame that you're supposed to have it done so that you can actually move on and have something that's going to be completed and you can feel proud about yourself. You can celebrate. You can even have little mini goals that you actually celebrate along the way. You don't just have to celebrate once everything is done. You can find little micro ways to celebrate the course of that journey along the way and doing these little things. And as you're making these little bits and pieces, as you're celebrating along the way and you're learning different things about it, yeah, there's a lot more that you'll have, you'll be able to apply and do and and use along the way along this journey and in doing it in such a way that, that's, that you feel proud about the actions, about the directions that you are taking. So what are your thoughts on this segment? What are your thoughts on systems? Do you have a system? 
Is there a system that you're currently using that is bringing you the results that you want? Has there something that you've always wanted to do or a problem that you wanted to solve? And there is, you might be afraid to look at it. It might be a little intimidating. It might've eaten at you for like for years and you just haven't decided. Let me know. Feel free to go ahead and send me an email at giftboxcreative at gmail.com and I will I will answer your questions. Maybe there's something that, that you might already have inside of you. You might already have the answer inside of you, but you might need a sounding board. So feel free to go ahead and send me an email. We can probably set up either a Skype call or a phone call and we can go through the process of figuring out what are maybe some sticking points or some things that might be standing in the way. We can collaborate and see if there's something that might work. The process of discovery and having that opportunity to kind of just sit and just talk and having someone listen and they can maybe they have a tendency if they are good, they can hear things that you're saying and notice little things, notice, maybe notice patterns that are happening within your experience or even take the time to have you recall a previous experience and you can and using that previous experience to kind of open up your eyes to something larger or navigating pieces of that story that might open up a broader spectrum of what it is that you want to accomplish or be or do or have, or maybe something within a story or an experience that is combining things like things that things that you heard, things that you saw, the, the, the feelings. It's what made the, the words, the language that somebody used or said around you that has an impact. And by going back and replaying that tape and you will be able to see it subjectively rather than being attached to it purely emotionally. When you're expressing something to somebody and you're emotional, but the person is subjective, what happens is that they, they hold that safe space for you to express it. And then the more you express that, the clearer you become, because instead of just relying on your, on your primal instinct of pure emotion, what's happening is that you become much more subjective about the experience. You can find a new perspective and a new way of actually dealing with it and handling it. That's the huge benefit of actually talking with someone and actually sharing that idea. It doesn't have to be me. It can be somebody who you trust and who's not necessarily trying to fix the problem, but someone who actually wants to sit down and help you and allow you to give the space so you can actually discover the solution for yourself. So feel free to go ahead and send me um, an email if you have any questions at giftboxcreative.com. Thank you for listening to this segment. And next we have coming up, we have part six of this series. And part six is creativity. And I look forward to seeing you all in the next segment.